It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Doobie riding solo today. No Taylor Dammel, unfortunately. Had to get some things done, which I totally understand and I appreciate. Uh, I am on the mend. I'm feeling much better than I was last episode, where if you recall, I was very sick. And right now, uh, feeling a lot better. I still look like shit though, to be honest with you. If if you're watching this on YouTube right now, like I'm looking at myself in the screen, I have a neck beard, I have a unibrow that's stronger than Anthony Davis's and, and, and has not been manicured or plucked or shaved really in a while. I just look like garbage. And so I apologize for those viewing, uh, for those listening. I can't, I, I don't think my, my voice is a hundred percent back to where it needs to be. So not much better, but at the very least consider yourself lucky because you're not viewing it while also listening. That's a real double whammy. I don't think our YouTube numbers for this episode are going to do very well, but we're going to power through. You just got me, for this episode and we'll get Taylor on uh, next week. Who knows though? I don't know. Maybe Taylor will drop in and surprise us with some bets. We'll see by the time we get to that segment, if he does. Uh, But we are brought to you by belly up media, go download, subscribe, rate and review us on whichever device it is that you use your college hooper of the day today. I'm going to go with Eric Armstead. That's right. You might be thinking to yourself, well, Eric Armstead, that guy's a football player. He plays for the San Francisco 49ers. You'd be right. He also played for the Oregon Ducks basketball team. And in honor of the final Pac-12 game tonight in Vegas, dogs, ducks, baby, the Pac-12 title game uh, to see who was going to go to the college football playoff between Washington and Oregon. I had to shout out. Eric Armstead, former basketball player, obviously a very tremendous, magnificent football player. He's going to be rooting on his ducks, I am sure. But he is your college hooper of the day. There's so many. I love those. I love those names that are – I love those names where people are just like, oh, yeah, it's crazy that Antonio Gates played played basketball. And Tony Gonzalez, did you know he played basketball? We need to find more folks. Like even DeAndre Hopkins is – is a little bit commonplace now. Like we know that he played for Clemson. Let's see if we can continue to peel back the onion and peel back the layers. I just gave you one, Eric Armstead. I had no idea that he played uh, for, for Oregon basketball. So he is your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB theater to find out where the feet is. 
You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Enamel. Let's open the curtains. dive in, talk a little bit about the hoops week that was, uh, and look forward to a huge, absolutely huge tilt in Lawrence uh, Friday night, UConn versus Kansas. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but Kansas fans already parking out and, and camping out in stadium to either get seats, to get tickets. I don't know exactly what the protocol is there uh, for that game, but man, it's going to be an electric matchup. I can't remember the last time a top 10 non-conference team came to Allen Fieldhouse, right? Kentucky, that Kentucky home and home a couple years back was terrific. And I actually think that was the last time Kansas lost to a non-conference opponent in Allen Fieldhouse. And that was a drubbing. I Kentucky went up early and just never looked back. It was like a 20 plus point type of game. But Kansas UConn is going to be a lot of fun and we're going to we're going to dive into that. It's in, and I'm I'm very excited about that game because there's nothing else to compete with. I guess you could watch the Pac-12 title game. I know I hyped it up a little bit. Pac-12 college football title game. I'd urge you to watch top 10 Connecticut, Kansas, blue blood matchup, as opposed to Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix Jr. That's just me though. Hey, maybe YouTube will give us the split screen. I don't know, but we'll dive into all of that. Uh, Kansas UConn here in a bit. Let's start first though, with the ACC SEC challenge. All right. Uh, we can start, I guess, with Carolina and Tennessee. Carolina comes out hot blitzes the volunteers uh, they scored 50 some odd first half points which is just so unheard of especially against a tennessee team probably the best defense in the entire country and you were just shocked you're just shocked at what exactly happened why tennessee gave up those points uh why why they played so poorly in the first half and it was really just a hole that they could not dig themselves out of the vaults Credit to Carolina. Hubert Davis uh, has these guys playing incredibly well. I've been seeing the last couple of days uh, some small apology tours for Hubert Davis. 
And I agree that he deserves the apologies because a lot of people were slandering him and his name last year. My point is that we shouldn't have ever gotten to a point where we were, where we were dumping on Hubert Davis, where we were saying that he was potentially on the hot seat. I get it's Carolina. I understand that this was the sharpest fall from one seed or number one ranked team in the country to unranked. Like, is that, like that's what happened to the heels last year. I understand that. And I understand uh, you're on the heels, pun intended, of a team that just went to the title game. I understand all of those contributing factors. But were we seriously considering and asking if Hubert Davis was the right man for the job with one full season under his belt? I'm telling you, think about where we were at this point last year. This is when the scuttlebutt and the rumors and and the discourse around Hubert Davis started to get off the rails. We were we were saying, oh, you know, he's he's not doing very well. And last year was a fluke. Well, was this was year two a fluke? Because they're really good this year. They're a final four contender this year. They're looking like it. Armando Baycott's playing incredibly well. Elliot Cadeau just not turning the ball over. So we were we were talking about Isaiah Collier who's a freshman and still adjusting to the game. Elliot Cadeau is a reclassified freshman and he had some turnover problems, but right now I don't think he's turned the ball over in two straight games. I credit Hubert Davis for that. Uh, Hubert's done a really good job in the transfer portal and reshaping this roster, but the overarching point again, is just the reactionary takes the, the, the ship jumping, uh, jumping out of out of windows and thinking the building's on fire. It was a bad year for Hubert. He would say that it was a bad year. Was it was it a bad enough year to have him be on the hot seat? No. And again, I understand the the rhetoric and the pushback is going to be like, well, this is Carolina basketball. This is Carolina basketball. That, you know, we we the bar is so high. The ceiling is the roof. Is what. MJ would say, check out the pod is the roof by Ratley Davis, by the way, great podcast, but it should have never gotten to that point with, with Hubert Davis in the conversation. So I guess I'm glad that people are, are apologizing to him now. It just should have never been required because Hubert Davis did a wonderful job two years ago, bringing a team to uh, the edge of a national championship and now he's got a great team and they showed it again uh, against a, a tough, tough Tennessee squad. Also a Tennessee squad though, that's probably fatigued. I know Rick Barnes came out and said, it's no excuse where we play. We got to come out better and we got to perform better. And now that's three losses in a row for uh, Tennessee against very quality opponents, final four caliber teams, none of which were at TBA, but Taylor and I always talk about it. You want, you, you want to get at least one of those because while you may have played them and it was on the schedule and Tennessee has more than enough opportunity to make up for it. You can't look back and say, well, we got that one game. I suppose you could say it was a knockdown drag them out fight and you played Purdue very tough and Purdue's probably going to tell you that that was the toughest matchup to date. They got Arizona and Indianapolis on the second or excuse me on the 16th. So we'll check back with them. And they could still say that Tennessee was the toughest matchup. 
but Tennessee wasn't very competitive at all versus North Carolina until maybe a few streaks in the second half. And I think the fatigue may have caught up with them, right? They're in Maui. Now they got to go to Carolina. Tough environment to play in. The shooting just hasn't been there still. I mean, this isn't like an early season Tennessee thing. This has been three years running. This has been this team's DNA. This has been who their horses are in Santiago Vescovi when he goes cold sometimes, Akai Ziegler when he goes cold sometime. <laughs> so just a disappointing start for Tennessee. I expected a lot more fight uh, from them. I didn't necessarily expect them to come out with the victory. But I think what needs to happen is they need to get back to Knoxville lick their wounds, get right, and put some wins together. Because they're a strong team. We said in the pre in the previews that, you know, when we were looking at the SEC, we said, is there going to be a team from the SEC that's going to go to the Final Four? And I'm very, I'm still very high on Tennessee. But there has to be a signature win uh, coming at some point. And right now they just went through a really brutal gauntlet. To add insult to injury or maybe the other way around. They added injury uh, to insult. Dalton connect. Brilliant. Brilliant in that Carolina game, but he goes down with what appeared to be a ankle sprain and ankle injury. I don't know what the details are. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but he had 37 points against Carolina and he was spearheading the charge back late. Uh, where they tried to get it to maybe like eight points or seven point deficit and Dalton connect drives the lane and just completely ruins his ankle. And we saw it, it, if I'm looking strictly at body language, it looked like it was a severe injury and maybe it was just the moment. Maybe it was the pain in that moment, but it looked to me like a guy who knew he was going to be out a few games and it doesn't get much easier for Tennessee. Tennessee has, uh, they got Illinois and NC State coming up. And it's very clear how valuable Dalton Connect is from a scoring perspective. I can't, I couldn't tell you the last time a, a Vol got 37 points. <laughs> and he was doing it all sorts of ways. The guy's a pure scorer. What I want to see from Dalton Connect is maybe a little bit more aggression in the first half. Don't wait to get down uh, in the first half and then make your spark in the second half and try and score in bunches. Try and spread that that scoring out a little bit over the course of the game. And it just it, it really sucked though to see Connect go down because if you're a Vols fan, you're saying to yourself, Yeah, he went down, but at what cost? Right? Like despite the fact that he despite the fact that he dropped 37 and was leading the charge back. Um, they were, they were down still eight to 10 and the, the feasibility of them actually coming back and winning that game was probably pretty low. You almost as a balls fan, you almost as a balls fan would, would have rather just gotten blown out and have him sit and preserve himself and get ready for heading back home to Knoxville. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So I feel for for Dalton Connect. I feel for Tennessee fans right now. Look, if you're going to go through some 
some trials and tribulations. If you're going to go through some rough times, now's the time to do it. You don't want to be having this type of stretch February 14th and onward. You know, Valentine's Day is a very pivotal moment for me in the season. So get this all out of the way before December. Get right and get healthy for the SEC. If this means Dalton Connect has to miss, has to miss uh, Illinois or even NC State, so be it. You want to be there for conference play because that's where the real physicality is going to going to occur and going to happen. So I'm not terribly worried about Tennessee. Uh, this obviously is going to impact their seating and potential path to what a lot of folks are hoping is a final four, but at some point they got to, they got to stack a couple of big time victories and they're going to have a ton of opportunities playing in the sec. Uh, your Kentucky's right. Don't, don't sleep on Mississippi state, even though they got blown out and also Ole Miss and South Carolina, there's opportunities there uh, in the sec but they need to get healthy. They need to get back and they need to get right. So credit to Carolina though, with a pretty comprehensive win. I'm sure Hubert Davis isn't thrilled that they let up off the gas and, and let Tennessee get back into that game. But that was a nice win uh, for Carolina. The other game, Duke, Arkansas. I got to apologize. The clip that I sent out yesterday and the clip from the last episode where I was incredibly confident in Duke beating Arkansas clearly did not come to fruition and was egg on my face. I don't know ball either. Just listen to Taylor or listen to another podcast completely <laughs> because Arkansas came out and punched Duke in the mouth. Now I was another game and another team kind of let go of the rope and let Duke back into that game. Quite as it's kept, Jer Jeremy Roach missed some really critical free throws that could have altered strategy and how Duke ends up coming back. Because Duke, I think the, the closest they got was three, very, very far far down the stretch or tight late into the game. But it could have been a one or two, two point game if Jeremy Roach hit some free throws. But credit, all the credit in the world to Arkansas. They rode the wave of Bud Walton Arena which is a real thing. It's a real bump. No doubt about it. No Traymond Mark. Doesn't matter. They neutralized Duke and they, they were just tougher than them. They were faster than them. And I think there's this narrative out there now that Duke is soft. I don't know if I'm ready to just go ahead and say that. Are they tougher or better than an, than an Arizona team that they lost to? I don't think so. I think that's relatively clear here in December or approaching December. Uh, am I going to knock them too much for that loss? No. Am I going to knock them too much for losing in Bud Walton? Well, Hogs didn't have Traymond Mark. Sure. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, I think Duke is, is soft just yet. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I think they just need to get out to better starts. And Duke, Duke has struggled out of the gates. And it's important for teams to establish a rhythm and establish their dominance and establish runs early, early in games. And Duke seems to be like that type of team. They don't seem like a team that is built to, to come back. That game against Southern Indiana, of course, they came back because of Southern Indiana. But 
you can't get down early to to an Arizona or you can't get down early to uh you know you can't you can't get down early to some of these different teams like Arkansas. And they got they they played pretty evenly. It was a sloppy game to start against Michigan State, but I'm not out on Duke. I'm not jumping ship from Duke. I still think Kyle Filipowski is a special, special player. Uh, I just think that Arkansas was the tougher team and the faster team and the team that played with the most reckless abandon. And I think they played like the team that felt like they had nothing to lose, and they they really didn't. Right? They were the team that was – Entering the game essentially on a four-game losing streak, really one and three. They did beat Stanford, but I reiterated beating Stanford by three might as well be a loss. Uh, they didn't have their top scorer. All signs pointed to a Duke victory, and lo and behold, Arkansas comes out. Trayvon Brazil is such a fun player to watch. So long, athletic, uh, can shoot the three, at, jumps out of the gym. Credit to Arkansas, credit to Muscleman. I was really upset we didn't get a Muscleman uh, t-shirt pop, though. No titties out for for Muscleman. Maybe it's a little too early, but you should be the top 10 opponent in your barn, man. I don't know how many better wins you're going to be getting on the season, and that's not to say that Arkansas can't knock off top eight teams. I just don't know how many more opportunities you're going to get to take your shirt off in front of the home crowd like that. I mean... There's other big time games, but beating Duke. Hey. And so what I do find funny is that when Duke finally schedules real non-con opponents, right? They're going to Tucson next year. Remember that they went to, this is a true road game in Fayetteville. Well, they struggled a little bit, right? Duke's been knocked about their scheduling in the past or their non-conference scheduling in the past. And who knows, maybe the, the, actually, I do know the the strategy worked, right? It set them up very well during the regular season to get good seeds and they have multiple titles to show for it. But it is nice to see Duke getting a bit of a dose of reality, a little bit of what it's like to play these tough out of conference games in true road environments, not just MSG or uh, a neutral site. More from the ACC-SEC challenge. Let me say this. I was disappointed with Texas A&M. I love Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams is in our Twitter bio. He's been like an integral part of this podcast since its inception. And what I mean by that is Buzz Williams probably has zero idea that we're alive and that we have this podcast. But... One of the pillars, one of the cornerstones, like a, a, a founding or a foundational piece of this podcast is Buzz Williams dancing to Take Me Home Country Roads, his disgusting, sweaty uh, shirts on the sidelines, like his, his incredibly high and tight buzz cuts. That I, like, I think there's three white guys in America that still do buzz cuts, buzz cuts, and it's like Buzz Williams, it's Billy Napier down at Florida, and Coach Jason Brown. Um, 
those guys are the ones that do the buzz cuts, I guess. But Buzz Williams is, is, is a foundational piece of this podcast and I love him. But I was really disappointed when he came out whining about not making the tournament a couple of years back when every opportunity presented to him, he did not seize. They end up making the tournament last year as a seven seed and get blasted, blasted by Penn State. It was a 10-7 matchup. So this season, super high expectations. I picked Wade Taylor to win SEC Player of the Year. This was the type of game against Virginia that they needed. This is the type of game that they needed. Uh, and this was the type of game that I was hoping Wade Taylor would step up in. And this is the type of game that Tamu should win to build up confidence and build up a resume as they enter and get closer to SEC play. But Tamu ends up shooting 17% from three. Now, credit to Virginia. Obviously, we know what their identity is. We know they're a defensive stalwart. And we know how tough they are to score on. You're lucky to have it in the 40s by midway through the second half, it feels like. So Texas A&M only shot 17% from three. Uh, the Aggies won the rebounding battle, but they they turned the ball over way too many times, 16 times. And that's something that I see with younger teams and experienced teams, especially against a team like Virginia, who will turn you over. I shouldn't see it from Wade Taylor, and I shouldn't see it from a guy like Henry Coleman, who actually had a pretty decent game. But Wade Taylor only had nine, four, and four, and had five turnovers. Way too many turnovers. Right. If you're if you're if you're responsible for a little bit more than a fourth of the, your team's turnovers as the point guard, as a as one of the best players in the entire country, can't have it. And so that's why I'm being so critical of Wade, because I know how special he is. I know how special he can be. And I, I still expect greatness from Wade Taylor. But this was supposed to be a game where I was going to be tweeting about Texas A&M and I was going to be saying, hey, this is not necessarily a dark horse in the SEC because I think people are aware of how good they are and how good they can be. But just a little disappointing to drop this one. I guess a Virginia team that hasn't looked like world beaters. I don't think Virginia has enough offense necessarily to, to stack a ton of wins. So it was just a little bit, it was a little bit disappointing uh, from, from the Aggies and, and a bit of a missed opportunity. I, I hate to say that there's missed opportunities this early on in, uh, in the year. But this could have been huge going into Charlottesville, getting a true road win, um, and establishing yourself as one of the powerful teams in, uh, in the SEC. So the SEC didn't start out too hot, right, as these games were playing. I just talked about Tennessee losing to Carolina. Um, I thought Arkansas was going to lose to Duke, and they almost did. But no, Arkansas ends up winning. And then Tamu, uh, they go down to Virginia. But a couple other SEC teams that did not play well, Vanderbilt, just dead. Just terrible. Poop. They're poop. I don't know what to tell you, folks. Jerry Stackhouse, I love you. Amazing player. One of the best players I watched growing up. 
One of the players that made me fall in love with basketball, if you can believe it or not, really. Loved him on those Pistons teams. Loved him with Allen Iverson and the Sixers before they went to the black uniforms. But Vanderbilt is a disaster. Just a complete disaster. Any goodwill and momentum that Jerry Stackhouse had at the end of last season. Because if you recall, the Commodores were... I don't know if they were knocking on the door of an NCAA tournament berth, but they were walking up the stairs, right? You see the ring camera and you see Jerry Stackhouse and that creepy Commodore coming up the steps. They didn't necessarily knock on the door, but they were coming up the steps. And that was good enough for Vandy fans. That was enough to have some sort of inspiration, to have some sort of positivity coming into the season. And then what happens? You lose to Presbyterian. I mean, my God. I kind of sound like Stephen A. Smith right now with my tone and tenor, but like, my God. Presbyterian. Remember when Stephen A. Smith used to say Slava Medvedenko? Presbyterian? Awful way to start the season. And they just got boat raced by BC, who looks pretty decent. Credit to. Uh, Credit to, I think it's Earl Smith. I should know the name. Earl Grant. Gosh, I'm sorry. Earl Grant at BC. I think he's done a really good job. Uh, my apologies to the Shark, BC, and, and Coach Grant. But Vandy just looked lost, and they look terrible. We've made our, our we've made fun of Kevin Stallings before here on this program. Okay. He kind of he he kind of mailed it in at Pittsburgh, but when he was at Vanderbilt, those teams they were not walking up the steps, nor were they knocking down the knocking on the door of tournament berths. They were there. They were in the tournament. They were five seeds. They were six seeds, and they were competitive in their games. And that, like there's a there's a generation of college basketball fans that don't know Vanderbilt as a pretty darn good college basketball program. I'm not saying they're a blue blood. I'm not even saying that they're they're a basketball school. Lord knows what's what kind of school they are because their football program's terrible too. But they used to have something. At least it's it's almost like Cal. It's almost like Cal basketball. Like Vanderbilt's not as embarrassing as Cal basketball has been, like during the Mark Fox years. But Cal basketball has a, a stronger tradition than Vanderbilt. I'll admit that. But I think there's this generation now that just doesn't associate Vanderbilt basketball or Cal basketball with success. And I'm trying to tell you that those squads, like early 2010s, maybe mid-2000s, were good. Mike Montgomery over at Cal. And I've talked about them, but if I, I'm keeping it to Vandy, thinking Kevin Stallings as well. Like even, even Bryce Drew had some decent seasons. All right seasons. We weren't losing to Presbyterian. Embarrassing stuff there from the Commodores, and I don't think it's going to get much better. Um, I would expect a, a coaching change. Never want to call for a coach's uh, call for a coach's job, but I don't know if if and Jerry Stackhouse very well could find success somewhere else. Like I think he'd be a, a I think he'd be a coach that a lot of folks would line up for. It's just not working there at uh, at Vanderbilt. And then last but not least. 
from the ACC SEC Challenge. Florida, man, I'm trying to gas you guys up too. You guys know I picked Todd Golden as the SEC Coach of the Year. But they dropped their third on the year, I believe. And they gave up 50, 5-0, second half points and lost to Wake Forest. Not, not what I was expecting. I was hoping for a little bit more of a defensive effort and defensive resistance there from the Gators, but uh, not pretty against, against the Demon Deacons. But credit, honestly, credit to Auburn. They, they dominated Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech needs to be a team that we start talking about. Like, why do we keep, why do we keep expecting and waiting for Virginia Tech to be this dark horse, dangerous team? They might just stink. Last couple seasons, I'm sorry. Uh, so Auburn, very strong team, dominated Virginia Tech. Credit, obviously, the big biggest win was Arkansas over Duke, and one that I did not see coming. I'm an idiot. Arkansas made me look very foolish, uh, so credit to them. But I was really disappointed in Texas A&M, Vanderbilt. Please clean some things up, I guess. I, I don't know what, what there is to clean up. You just Everything, everything is there to clean up. Uh, and then Florida. They gotta, they gotta tighten up a little bit. Florida's gotta tighten up a little bit. All right, let's move on now to the other big matchup, though, uh, in the country that took place the other night. Another team that I've been super high on all offseason, banging the drum, the buff drum, uh, was Colorado and Tad Boyle. I was trying to give him a fake pump-up speech, like the Michael Irvin, like, what are you gonna do about it? Right? They don't believe in you, Tad Boyle. Uh, they think you're too little, KJ Simpson. You're too pretty, Tristan De Silva. Well, Colorado State ends up getting a victory in Fort Collins. Great win uh, for the Rams, and they continue to pad their resume. Perfect on the season with a win over Creighton under their belt, and now they got the rivalry game uh, under their belt as well. How about Isaiah Stevens, man? What a stud! What an absolute stud! He's been at Colorado State since 2019, and he knows the system, right? He's, he hasn't transferred. This guy knows the system in and out. Right now, he's averaging 18 and 8. He scored 18 points in the second half of that game against Colorado, and they kind of needed all of it because Colorado did end up making a very late push. Didn't cover for poor Taylor. I think Taylor took Colorado plus three. They ended up losing by five. But Isaiah Stevens is just such a monster. And he right now is, I think I'm, I'm willing to admit it here uh, on December 1st. Isaiah Stevens is, in my fo- is my first foxhole point guard. He is my first foxhole guy. So I mentioned last year, my three foxhole guys were Dewan Harris AJ Hogard and Marquise Noel, like three guys I want in my foxhole, or I want to be in their foxhole. I want to be in the same foxhole as Isaiah Stevens. This kid is unbelievable. And leading the way, I want Nico Medved. He's another one of my guys. I've highlighted and talked about a few mid-major coaches that I think should be getting big-time looks and power coaching opportunities if they so desire and if they wanted to pursue it. I think the best example of that for me is Matt Langle. I don't know if Matt Langle wants to leave Colgate, but like a Vanderbilt, if that's open, go call Matt Langle. I'm dead serious. Obviously, Dusty May's a hot commodity. I was a big Grant McCaslin guy a few years ago. 
and I'm glad he's now at Texas, uh, Texas Tech. Nico Medved is another name you need to, to be acquainted with already. If you're in college basketball space, if you're a college basketball fan, you should know who Nico Medved is. But he should be getting calls uh, for the next level, for sure, because he consistently has this Colorado State team competitive and good in a tough Mountain West Conference. And I think another... I think another great barometer or telltale sign of a great coach is how they've been able to build up a, uh, a home court and how they've been able to build up a home court advantage. Fort Collins is a real boost, man. That's a real boost. I think if that game's played in Boulder, which is actually an underrated home court, like Boulder gives some, some teams fits. If that's in Boulder, I think Colorado wins that game. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the Rams, but Colorado State was up like 14 to 17 points. They were rolling. I don't think they're 14 to 17 points better than Colorado, but when you're playing in that arena behind Isaiah Stevens, I think it's a testament to what Nico Medved has built. I think he should be in line for some big time coaching jobs. We saw a few years back, they a lot of people were picking them to beat Michigan um, in that first round game. It was the David, it was, I think it was the very first game of the tournament. And I think they actually had some travel issues. But that team with David Roddy that won a ton of games and was battle tested through the Mountain West. This is going to be another good Mountain West year, right? We've talked about Boise State. We've talked about how we like New Mexico, San Diego State which some people seem to always forget just went to the national title game. The mountain West is going to be good again. And Colorado state is contributing to that. I don't think people saw this type of ascension. I don't think people saw Nico Medved squad being a top 25 team this early uh, in the season, but what a tremendous win. And again, Isaiah Stevens, congratulations, young man. I know a lot of people with these fake lists, they have them like, admitted to the club uh, or, you know, you walk through the back of the restaurant and you're seated at the primetime table. Now for me, man, you're in my foxhole. So we're getting down and dirty and we're getting dirt under our fingernails and, and, uh, you're with me right now. So I love Isaiah Stevens. So Colorado state has Washington in Vegas and then St. Mary's at home. I'm looking at that St. Mary's game. And I'm a little worried for the Gales because they have not played well whatsoever. Every single test, like the, the past week and a half, two weeks have just been awful. They just dropped one to Utah. And Utah is not terrible, but Utah's Utah, Weber State, they're not as good as Colorado State, especially in Fort Collins. So that is going to be a big game. And I think... I think St. Mary's is going to end up bouncing back and playing well in conference play. So if Colorado State can pick off the Gales when they're vulnerable, that's going to be another good win for them under their belt. And then, you know, you beat another Pac-12 team in Vegas against Washington, which is very feasible. Tremendous scheduling job. Tremendous scheduling job there from Nico Medved, where you get Colorado at home, you got St. Mary's at home, and then you got Washington in Vegas. Um, so good for Colorado State. They beat the Buffaloes. Avenge Jay Norvell and Henry Blackburn. 
the football guys from earlier this season. I don't know if people even still remember that. I saw Dion is SI sports person of the year. I'm laughing at everyone whose who's panties are in a bunch and how this upsets them so much. Um, it's just, how could Dion, when was the last time you cared about SI sports person of the year? Ask yourself that, all right? And then ask yourself why you're getting so caught up with Dion winning it. Should he have won it? Probably not. Who cares? God, who cares? But the Rams tie the sports series. They beat Colorado. All right. Moving on now to Kansas and UConn. Huge game. So, like I said, I already embarrassed myself with my prediction of Duke and Arkansas. So, I'm either going to avenge myself or I'm going to double down on the embarrassment. I'm super torn on this one. So let me hedge, first of all. Let me give myself a built-in excuse. I was not torn at all with Duke, Arkansas. I was incredibly confident in the Blue Devils winning that game, and I was wrong. This Kansas-UConn game, I'm very torn, and let me help you better understand why that is. All right? UConn has been so much more impressive this season. There have been multiple times, and it came a lot in that first half against Texas, where I said, Good Lord, this is a buzzsaw. This UConn team is a machine. There are a couple times where I watch Kansas, who's just coming off of a very poor performance against Eastern Illinois. Credit Eastern Illinois. They beat Iowa last year, pushed Kansas this year. I wouldn't want to schedule them next year if I was a power team. But Kansas was at home against Eastern Illinois, and they only won by eight. And we saw Kansas get absolutely dominated by Marquette. I mean, that, they, they, got, they got their asses handed to them, did Kansas. So UConn on the whole, I think, has looked a little bit more impressive, or far more impressive, I should say, than Kansas. It wouldn't shock me to see Donovan Klingon outplay Hunter Dickinson. Two players that are on the Naismith watch, two players of the year candidates, I don't know how Hunter Dickinson will do with the physicality of playing against a guy who's wider and, and bigger than him. So it wouldn't shock me. I mean, he's got to pull him out. Hunter's got to pull out Donovan Klingon from under the paint and, and get his mid-range game going or, or his, his paint touches going because I don't know if it's going to be dunks and layups over Mr. Klingon there. So it wouldn't shock me to see Donovan outplay Hunter. Tristan Newton straight up has been a better player this year than Dewan Harris, which has been amazing to witness. And I don't think it's really a, a regression of Dewan Harris. Dewan Harris, still one of my favorite point guards, one of the most underrated point guards, I think, in Kansas history and of the last eight years or so. The steadiness of Dewan Harris is something every college basketball fan yearns for and wants. As a, as a guy who's been watching Kerr Creasa lead lead the break and lead offense, I'd kill for a Dewan Harris. But I'd also kill for a Tristan Newton, who might become a foxhole guy alongside Isaiah Stewart. Or excuse me, Isaiah Stevens. Isaiah Stewart, good Lord. We don't even need a foxhole if I had Isaiah Stewart on my front line. He'd just bash everyone's head in. 
but I'm going to just say Isaiah Stevens. Tristan Newton has straight up played better than Dewan Harris. So these are all, these are three things right now that I've just listed. UConn on the whole has looked so much more impressive. Kansas has looked underwhelming. I think Donovan Klingon could absolutely outplay Hunter Dickinson. And Tristan Newton has been better than Dewan Harris. Let me add to that. Camp Spencer. Absolutely cold-blooded. This is not shocking. We saw this at Rutgers. Good for him for being able to now contribute to a Final Four caliber team. He's a marksman. He's a sharpshooter. So it doesn't matter what gym he's going to be in. I expect Camp Spencer to shoot the lights out. All of that to say, if this was anywhere else, I'd take UConn. If this was any other place outside of Allen Fieldhouse, and I'm talking about some random gym in Lawrence. It could be a random gym in Lawrence, but it's in Allen. If it was anywhere else, MSG, of course, some farm and stores, I don't care. If it was anywhere else, I'd take UConn, but... I find it so difficult to bet against Bill Self at home in non-conference matchups. Bill Self is 147 and six in non-conference games at Allen Fieldhouse. And I alluded to it earlier in the episode. I think the last non-con game that they lost in Allen was that shellacking they took to Kentucky. And UConn is better than that Kentucky team right now. But when I'm looking at 147 to six, and I'm looking at the Allen Fieldhouse bump, and I'm looking at a team that just got, I don't want to say they didn't get embarrassed, but they had an embarrassing performance against Eastern Illinois. And they had, this is a team like Bill Self's teams. You talk about how Hunter Dickinson's so braggadocious. Yeah, that's fine. Bill Self's teams respect greatness and they respect their opponent. And they understand that these guys are the ones that wear the crown now. They were in UConn's position a year ago. They understand the Huskies are the bar. I just don't know if I see UConn coming in. Like all of it, all of what I've witnessed and watched this season says UConn will win this game. But I don't see it happening. And I'm going to go with the Jayhawks to defend home court. And this is going to be a great matchup. I don't think this is going to be an uncompetitive game for the most part of the second half like Duke, Arkansas was. I think you're going to get one of the best games of the collegiate basketball season here with Kansas and UConn. Certainly not going out on a limb, but tune into this one, folks. I mean, the atmosphere is going to be outrageous. Danny Hurley is going to be on tilt. Two of the great coaches, two of the great rosters, and two of the great real teams. And of course, the last two national championship winners. This game is going to exceed the hype, but I'm going to take Kansas ever so slightly. And I think we're still going to, this is going to be one of those games where we're going to be impressed with both teams. I'm going to be impressed with Kansas getting back on the horse and look, this will be another good victory for them. Um, And I'm going to be impressed with UConn playing a true road game, going into Allen Fieldhouse and, and performing well, which is totally what I expect now from a UConn team. Uh, but give me Kansas and the Jayhawks to to win on Friday night. All right, let's go ahead and get on out of here with some segments. Taylor's only got a few more minutes to send over his bets. I don't think he's going to be able to make it. But let's hit some easy layups first. My easy layup, I'm going to go to Philly. Big five basketball, baby. 
Very easy to get behind. I love Big Five basketball. Nova loses to St. Joe's. Temple beat LaSalle in triple overtime. Two great games the other night. So this sets up Temple and St. Joe's for the title. LaSalle and UPenn play for third place. And then Drexel and Villanova for fifth. Crazy to think Villanova is going to be playing for that fifth fifth spot. Bit disappointing for Kyle Neptune. But all of this is taking place in the Wells Fargo Center. I love it. I wish we had more regional tournaments. Like I want more of this as opposed to random. I mean, I like the, the, the early season tournaments. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't need to see a ballroom in Atlantis. I don't. And I like being able to see how your team stacks up against other teams. But I also love this. I want to get behind this. I want to, I want to support regional matchups, right? If I'm just pulling a region out of my ass, we'll say Massachusetts, right? Can we get BC, BU, Northeastern, Holy Cross, UMass? I don't know. Get those teams going together. Do something in Kansas, right? Can, can we get Wichita State, Kansas, Kansas State? I don't know. Get Kansas City in there too. What are they? The kangaroos? Get them going. See if we can get something building there. I don't know. Can we do something with Texas? I guess there's all Big 12 matchups, but can we do something in Arizona? Something with NAU, with GCU, with ASU, with Arizona? Just get creative, folks. I want to do what Philly's able to do. It doesn't have to be in every single state like Pennsylvania. I'm not asking for that. But what I am asking for is to encourage and, and get these. I mean, we had the Indianapolis, I think it was the Crossroads Classic, right? That was awesome. I hope we can get back and get more of these. And nothing's going to be as good as the Big Five. I understand Philly's different. Like this is this means a lot to them. But I think it's really cool seeing schools that are so close uh, being able to battle it out for state supremacy. I think that's really neat. Uh, but the Big Five was was a lot of fun this year as well. Like I said, Nova upset by St. Joe's and then Temple beating LaSalle in triple overtime. That was awesome. All right, let's move on now to our lane violations. I know Taylor had actually sent over his lane violation and it's a repeat offender, folks. It is a guy uh, that has been on lane violations before. Of course, it is our friend, Kenny Payne. Let's take a listen. What Coach Payne said this time. Yeah. You ready for this? I probably shouldn't tell you this. We didn't have the tights that he wanted, so he didn't know if he wanted to play. Oh, yeah. What? You heard it. We didn't have the tights that he wanted, that we've never had for him, and he decided, I don't feel like I can go. That's what young people do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even know. But he figured it out in the second half. He accepted the fact that we didn't have the tights that we've never had for him. And he played, and he played well. Next. So this is in respect or with respect to Tyler Johnson. I can't tell if Kenny Payne is doing a bit or not. But some hilarious audio where he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You think I'm joking? This is real. My guard didn't have the right tights, so he didn't even know if he wanted to play. 
just any time I'm trying to give Louisville some momentum and credit, Kenny Payne gets up there and says some crazy things. And it's not even Kenny Payne's fault this time, if it's true. It's just gotten to the point. I like I, I want because Louisville's gonna get back at some point. I don't know if it's gonna be with Kenny Payne. I can I'm pretty sure it's not. But in a couple of seasons, we are gonna have a dominant or at least a good Louisville program back on the mend where they should be. And that's going to be great, but there is going to be a point in time where we think back and we say, dang, Louisville really sucked this bad. Like in 10 years, I'm going to look back at this juncture and be like, that's, that was odd. So I'm going to try and savor this for now. Cause I know, and I don't hate Louisville, but I know they're going to get back. Some of these quotes are just so funny. Like it's gone past, Oh man, this is bad. What are we going to do to fix this? Blah, blah, blah. To, Let's kind of enjoy this freak show. Let's enjoy how far the wheels have come off, even sweating out wins against Bellarmine. Because again, I've mentioned it, the bar is so, so low. So that was Taylor's lane violation. My lane violation, Rothstein has reported that the Big Ten tournament might not feature every single team, not every single one of the 18 teams in the Big Ten tournament when they go to expand. Brent Stover warned us about this a couple of weeks ago when he came onto the show. When I asked him about conference realignment, when I asked him about expansion, he said, I'm hearing some scuttlebutt that they might, uh, uh, they might take a Ivy League approach where not every single team even makes the conference tournament. And that sucks. That's terrible. I don't even like it for the Ivy League. Give me a three and 20 some odd Brown team going up and I don't know, maybe winning a few games and punching their ticket. That's the whole purpose of this tournament. That's why we love it. And so people are going to sit there and they're going to say, Oh, well, are you really going to miss the 16th, 17th and 18th team? They're not going to do anything. You don't know that. You do not know that. I got a division champ in Iowa in college football. I'm fairly, fairly confident. They're not going to beat Michigan. But if, if Iowa was 17th in college basketball standings in the Big Ten and they went up against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament, I'm not fairly confident that Michigan would win that. Sorry. And I guess this is, this is what I deserve. I mean, I'm a guy that has all been, been all about expansion because I just wanted to – selfishly, I just wanted to get out of the Pac-12. But now I'm over here. I'm over here saying to myself, uh, I understand I contributed to this, but can we go back just a little bit? I didn't, I didn't sign up for all of this. And people are going to be like, yeah, you did. This is your fault. Uh, it's not actually my fault because I'm not a real decision maker. I'm just some slob on the couch. But I've been a big proponent of conference expansion. I do not want conference tournaments impacted or big time conference tournaments impacted power conference tournaments impacted because this is just a trickle down effect. This is a slow and winding path to impacting the NCAA tournament, which is going to suck inevitably. So Rothstein didn't confirm that when the big 10 expands, they'll only have 14 teams for the big 10 tournament. I guess you could say, well, it puts more emphasis on the regular season. 
I, if it's a if it's a games issue or if it's a formatting issue, just can we can we trim the regular season so that all the teams can get into the postseason or play in the conference tournament? That's that's the whole appeal of it. Like the whole appeal appeal is if one of my players, my best players, gets hurt and then maybe he comes back towards the end of the season and we can have some sort of magical run. Can we do that? There are some there are some teams that need that conference tournament to just get an NIT berth, right? To just eliminate it after, to, to just say after your senior night at home, last game of the regular season, you're done for the year. You go to the CBI, that sucks. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. So that's my lane violation there. No Damel Dimes this week. Did not get uh, bets from Taylor, but I will recap where we are at. He is sitting... Or we are sitting. I shouldn't say he. That's not fair to Taylor. We're a team here. But we are sitting uh, at 6-7-2 and two on the season. Villanova owes us an apology for sure. Uh, to recap, he took Virginia minus one against Texas A&M. That hit. I already expressed my displeasure with the Aggies there. Villanova minus 15 against St. Joe's. Whole, whole miss. Uh, that's where the apology is necessary. St. Joe's with a signature win. And then he took Colorado plus three against Colorado state. I believe Colorado had a wide open three down five uh, to cover and they missed, unfortunately. So one and two last week. Um, We'll see if he texts me some bets so I can tweet it out uh, Friday morning. But if not, that is a recap. Let's get on out of here. Not so mid. I got to shout out St. Joe's. St. Joe's beats Villanova in Villanova for the first time since Jameer Nelson was wearing uh, the Hawks uniform. The Hawk never dies, baby. Fanta kept saying that. And I love that. I want to turn up with the Hawks so bad. He looks like so much fun. Um, St. Joe's with a wonderful victory against Nova. Joe's also probably could have beat Kentucky in overtime in Lexington. Okay. So there's a little bit something brewing there. And we've made fun of the A-10 all offseason even this pre, even this early in the season, but they have some decent victories. Rothstein actually tweeted it out, but I was thinking about it as well. Dayton is going to have to carry a lot of the water. The Bonnies beat Oklahoma State. St. Joe's has a really, really good game against Kentucky. They didn't win, but they got a win against Villanova. The A-10 is, is by and large kind of garbage. But there's a big opportunity also for the Rhodey Rams to maybe surprise some people. I don't foresee it, but they're going to Providence to, to play the crier and his boys. I know that's a huge rivalry game. But the A-10, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't dump on them as much as we have. But St. Joe's not so mid whatsoever, beating Villanova. Uh, congratulations to the boys on, on Hawk Hill. Uh, I have zero idea how they lost to Texas A&M Commerce. By the way, what the hell is that? I guess that's just college basketball for you. All right, folks, I'm going to go ahead, get on out of here. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the bevy and the slate of college basketball we got. Again, enjoy UConn, Kansas, and everything coming up on Saturday and Sunday. And we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.